glad it also, is. Also, why is this actor in this movie? He was in D2. He had a clear role in D2. A very why clear is role. He here? He's a, like he's a major character in D2, and we're just going to pretend? We're just totally going to pretend that, oh, yeah, no, well, you know. It's knucklebuck time. What the heck kind of a shot was that? You've never heard of a knucklebuck? Whoa! Welcome everyone to Knucklepuck Time. I'm Andrew Apple. I remain David Hankler. I'm M M M Mark Winsky. Today's podcast, we are talking about D3, the Mighty Ducks, generally seen as the least of the Mighty Duck trilogy, but we'll get into whether or not that's valid. Before we do, though, some quick news. Uh, the week that we're recording this, they released a trailer for Mighty Ducks Game Changers. So Let's go! Let's talk about it. Mark, what do you think of this trailer? I was actually surprised um, uh, in a good way because it, it, it seems like it isn't a dumpster fire of trash. Well put, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm somewhat intrigued by the way that they seem to be bringing Emilio back into this, you know, the, the return of Bombay. I, I kind of thought that after the Mighty Ducks movies that he had, in fact, been established as someone who was proud to be part of the hockey world and fairly successful in the hockey world, and that being a mentor was kind of his whole thing, the thing that he was meant to be. So when I saw the first trailers, you know, the early hints, I was like, oh, great, they're bringing him back in the, the Han role awesome he's you know the the wise sage miyagi style provider of hockey gear and and positive upbeat philosophies for a new generation of kids and instead he seems to be a grumpy curmudgeon who lorelei gilmore has to talk into being decent i'm just I mean, interested to see how he got there like that really intrigued me like me too after 30 years 25 yeah, years yeah it has been 25 so, years yeah. I, I look forward to wondering how he ended up in his original hometown that he wanted out of after becoming a major international figure. That could be it, though. Maybe he maybe something happened just, to where he's back home in his hometown. And as you just said, he doesn't want to be there after being the lead man of the junior Goodwill Games. Right. Like traveling the world, global. Um I assume H Hendrix, because during the the, the trailer, the, the 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 ice rink is H Hendrix Arena. Um, now it isn't his ice rink, to be fair. Correct. No, 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 no. The the main team right. is Hendrix Arena, who are now the Ducks. Right. And leans into our theory that Han killed Coach Riley, marking the end of the Hawks. Because for the Hawks to lose in a fluke, one time, one time, stopping them from going to States, when every other time, legendary moment when, when Gordon failed to take them later, like further on into States, in the, that's depicted in the first Mighty Ducks movie, they're still in States. They have been in state competition, their region, every year for what seems like solidly 30 years. So the fact that they just are never even mentioned anymore, I'm, I'm sorry, Riley's dead. Han killed him. There had to be a moment. It's the only reasonable story. And uh, I imagine everyone in town just nodded like sacrifice to the hockey gods and moved on with their lives. Yeah. Andrew, your thoughts on the trailer. I am a little bit disappointed that we got such a blatant retread of the first movie. Um, I was hoping for a little bit of innovation like I always do, but the fact that they brought back Stephen Brill as the showrunner, it, it's not surprising. But like, I find myself sort of like Nick Offerman in 22 Jump Street being, it's exactly the same as last time. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. put more money into it and have the exact same thing happen with bigger profits we had to get back to the point where gordon did not want to be the coach anymore 
So it's going to be interesting to see if they justified that or if it was just a necessary plot point in order to make the rest of it work. Well, that's funny that you you mentioned that because Emilio Estevez didn't ever want to be the coach in this movie and it was going to be played by Steve Brill. Well, that's what Stephen Brill wanted. Like when when he sold the script to Disney, he was like, "Can I play the lead?" And they're like, "I think we need an established star." Emilio! And he was like, "Emilio, no. I don't want that role." And then he got it. And then D3, I read that he was kind of pushed into this cameo role. Mm-hmm. Um, because he wanted money to produce his own film. Which movie? It was called The War at Home, and we'll get to that yeah. when we actually oh. start talking oh. about D3. That, that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what yeah. happened. Frankly, that's slightly better than Coppola <clears throat> agreeing to make Godfather Part 3 so he could open a vineyard. A fact that he openly admits to this day. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, sometimes you got to get paid. Sometimes you don't get paid enough. Anywho, by the way, because we're doing D3 today, that is the reason that I am in full prep attire. Got my full Windsor knot here going on. The the dress shirt and uh, and suit jacket. Could you, now, could, could, you put, could you put the glasses on for us? Glasses? Do you, do you, do you have glasses in your pocket? You mean these glasses? Oh, that works. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, f- f- for those of you listening at home, it's he looks—he looks, he looks uh, sexy and established. Mostly, I look like I do your taxes, but that he's is... an accountant. He's an accountant. We'll just sure. keep it at that, folks. He's—he's he's a accountant. Need I say more? Probably, because I don't get that joke. Anyway, uh, but yes, I, I also went to press. I'll tell you when you're like older. The I'll tell you when you're older. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. I also went to a prep school like the Ducks did here in D3. So I felt it was only appropriate for me to, to rep my old alma mater of St. Albans, where I attended from fifth grade through senior year, and where I also had to wear a blazer, sport coat, suit jacket, dress shirt, and tie. It changes you. Well, oh, okay. Um, I have a few more points about the trailer, but if we just want to jump right into D3, like I'm I think we should. comfortable. I think we're there, that. baby. We're there. Okay, so uh, let me quick synopsis for D3 just to get everyone on the same level. Hold on. Can I just say I love the Andrew Apple synopsis every week? It's my, it's, it's one of my favorite things about the show. I'm so ready for this. Just to warn you, they're only going to get worse. Like with with the first three, like I actually have time to sit down and write and edit. Like once we actually start, you know, watching this on a Friday and releasing this on a Saturday, like be prepared. They're either going to go to like the Dada place or they're going to go downhill. And then like occasionally they might fall into accidentally being something good, uh, but only if I like didn't sleep the night before and like accidentally crack into like that weird zone where you're being held up by caffeine, but you're still dead inside. So folks at home, <laughs> if you wish to keep listening to this this train ride right into a mountainside, hit subscribe and <laughs> let me tell you, it's going to be a I'm I'm on a dumpster fire trend, so let's just call it dumpster fire of goodness. Okay. Well, that would be a dumpster barbecue. Hey, yum yum. By the way, Andrew, Andrew, take it away. I I am personally looking forward to you embracing the the kind of a Magritte-style philosophy of each week being deeply sleep-deprived and just staring into the camera going, this is not a summary. All right, well, here we go. Getting on with their lives after becoming Junior Goodwill Games champion, the Ducks, minus Jesse Hall, 
find themselves back in Minnesota after being awarded full athletic scholarships to the prestigious Eden Hall Academy. Taking over the roster for the Eden Hall Warriors junior varsity team, the former Ducks find themselves butting heads at every turn with the varsity hockey team members who see the Ducks as little more than, at best, a publicity stunt and, at worst, charity cases. All the while, the Ducks find themselves butting heads with their new coach, Orion, whose style doesn't mesh with the laid-back methods of Gordon Bombay, who has taken a new job with the Junior Goodwill Games. As their prank war with Varsity begins to take on more and more real-world consequences and their role at Eden Hall becomes more and more precarious, our heroes rise to the challenge, put their Varsity counterparts in their place, and bring on a new era to Eden Hall, the era of the Ducks. real it's real also also am am i mistaken or did the ducks like never wear their uniforms like ever in this movie in this movie like i i I do not remember seeing them wearing at the end they they wore no dress clothing aside from the very beginning when they had the press conference and then the meeting where they almost lose their scholarships at the hearing. Like, sure. other than that, it's all street clothes or hockey gear. No sense you, to me. You, you mean Eden Hall clothing, prep school clothing. Yeah. Uniform. Uniform, uniform. Not, not Mighty Ducks. Right. Uh, understand. Right. Um, he means classic school uniform, which, again, as someone who went to a school like this, out of uniform, it was a real problem. I remember being deeply sleep deprived one day my sophomore year during a day where we had been awarded free dress. So everyone's in jeans, t-shirt. And I am at lunch with our dean of students because we had assigned tables where there was a different teacher at each table. I happened to be with the dean of students who was also my wrestling coach. And during announcements, I heard Somebody said, blah, 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 free dress. And everyone started applauding. And I went, wait, do we have free dress again tomorrow? And the dean looked at me and went, yeah, Hankla, free dress. I went, great. So I show up the next day in free dress and walk into my my pre-calculus class. And I'm the only one in free dress. My teacher looks at me and goes, Mr. Hankla, you're not allowed to be in class if you're not in uniform. I went, okay, so what does that mean? He goes, it means you have four minutes to find full uniform. Otherwise, you will be late for class and your grade will be penalized for every minute you're late because you're on campus, which means you are not absent. So I literally sprinted the halls of the school, finding random clothing people had hung up, some of which fit, amazingly. I found a jacket, a shirt, a tie, pair of pants, pair of dress shoes, everything, and managed to literally throw myself through the door and land on the floor of the class as time ran out. My grade would have started dropping a point a minute for being late for class and not in uniform. So for them to just be hanging out, either the school is weirdly the most casual place in the world, which it does not seem to be, or they are all going to fail out anyway. So so from the parts I took, like their school didn't actually have a strict dress code because yeah. a lot of kids during the classes didn't wear uniforms. I didn't so, understand. Yeah, that was not just part of that. That wasn't part of their prep school, who was so strong on tradition and yep. pride of their school that they wouldn't have dress code. That, I mean, it seemed they did for some kids and not for other kids. And also, it was some of the time, but not all the time. And there seemed to be nothing designating when you were supposed to do it. So, I don't know. That was a big old mess. Eden Hall. What, how do we feel about that school as a whole? Uh, I, the, the general Harry Potter style feel of it and is a good indication of its quality. Um, but the fact that Coach Bombay comes back and argues that he played for Eaton Hall is also confusing considering we spent the first two movies talking frequently about how Bombay stopped playing hockey after that terrible moment where he missed the shot. So that was confusing. Well, did he play uh, there or just go there? 
Do we know that? Did, they're, they're, did he say? Yeah, play? we know he breathed there. They're, they show a photo oh, of him. Right. On the- oh, right. When they're in with um, with Coach O'Ryan being like, oh, that's my picture. Charlie, I was just like you. Ding, right. ding, ding. Father figure again. Yep. Uh, Coach Bombay coming in, saving the day, telling his story. And then coming in at the end, which, David, you've made this point many times but he came in saying i am very very good at my job right but he's not a good lawyer as we've come to see we've seen no indication he's a good lawyer also it's been several years since he's practiced law in any capacity i assume he's maintained his bar license but um quite literally he has not been a lawyer in years and also, we're told in D2 that he's 29 when he goes into the, the minor leagues, meaning that he was probably around 28 when he started coaching the Mighty Ducks. And considering college at 21 or 22, that meant that he was probably, at youngest, 25 when he finished law school. So that meant he had a maximum of three years of being a lawyer before he stopped being a lawyer to be a hockey coach and then a minor leaguer. So I'm sorry, like most of the people in my family are lawyers. Yeah, you learn how to be a lawyer in your first couple of years being a lawyer, but I'm, I'm sorry, you, you're not. Like you're paid very little because you're mostly doing dredge work. If you're lucky, you get some interesting opportunities. The fact that they threw him into how many trials was it, Andrew? 28, 30, something? 31. 31 trials. He was 30 and one. Yep. Okay, so he saw 31 trials in his first three years. Meaning in all likelihood, he didn't see any trials for probably like a year and a half. A whole bunch is constantly just speed negotiating. I mean, I see no indication this man is actually a good lawyer and to argue that, oh, I'm great at my job, which, again, is not his actual job anymore and hasn't been in several years. Why we should be giving credit to Eaton Hall because they gave him the education that enabled him to be a lawyer. I don't know. It's a big blurry mess. So, OK, it really is. two two big things. Um, one, in the larger zeitgeist of the world, you are correctly pointing out the fact that if you have the ability to stand up straight and look someone directly in the eye and say something with a certain level of confidence, there will always be a group of people who will just take you at your word no matter how much BS you are spouting. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, you're also pointing out that Eden Hall is a horrible plot device that was specifically built to recreate what they had in the first two movies where they needed to find a way to make the Ducks as the underdog. Going back to D2, Stephen Brill admitted that Disney basically had them throw everything against the wall and max out the story because in 1993, a year before the movie came out, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim became an NHL expansion team. And that movie was basically just a giant commercial for the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. You don't have a strong case to, one, go from the best team in the world to junior varsity on a prestigious high school hockey team and have that be equated in the same way. And there's a reason that if you go through and you look at the credits, the last two movies have one credited writer, and that's Stephen Brill. This movie has four writers on it, which means Disney took the original script and they decided, uh, okay, um, yeah, we don't like this. Uh, Steven, uh, I know you want to make Bulgarians the bad guy in this movie. Uh, we're not going to do that. So we're going to make this about high school and have it be a bunch of crazy hijinks. 
avoided that show yeah. just because it. Wow, guys, I missed a lot. My my internet dropped out there for about forty five seconds. I just <laughs> logged back in. Well, so D three was supposed to be about Bulgarians. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. We're just talking about there were four different writers in the in the movie on the movie, mm, and I Jen- think it's a Jenny from the Block situation, huh? Yeah, it 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 felt like a. I mean, that's what this this third movie kind of feels like is let's all go off. You write the first quarter, you write the second, you write the third, you write the fourth. And you know what? Let's let's not talk to each other. No, no, no. Let's just put it together and film it as fast as we can. Um, and I, I, I kind of feel like that's what happened because there was no arc there was no uh, like good playing field in the film and you're really hurt by the fact that you had a lot of people who did not want to be there uh as we mentioned earlier the only reason that emilio estevez did his glorified cameo was because he was then able to have Disney take the $3 million that he would have gotten paid to do this movie and turn mm-hmm. it into the budget for The War at Home, which uh, I am not exaggerating when I say that The War at Home trailer looks like a fake trailer from the top of Tropic Thunder. Like, it's the worst kind of Oscar bait in history. Uh, <sighs> because... Emilio Estevez is playing a Vietnam War vet who comes home for Thanksgiving, and by the end of Thanksgiving, he is pointing a gun at Martin Sheen's head, blaming him for not giving him the money to run away to Canada. That seems like either even more daddy issues. <laughs> and there's a reason why, on a $3 million budget, the war at home made $43,000, and that is $43,000 in 1996 money, because this movie came out one month after D3, which at that point, D3 All In made $22 million, built upon the fact that uh, Joshua Jackson did not want to do the movie, and Sean Weiss, who played Goldberg, literally only did this movie because he wanted to star in heavyweights and Disney said, you either do D3 or we're not going to let you do heavyweights. Well, be glad that he did because he's great in heavyweights. <laughs> he, is. he really is great in heavyweights. I, I mean, when, 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 I mean, I, I personally love that movie as well, but when Josh, when Josh in heavyweights comes comes back after being kicked out of camp and pretends to be zombified. Like, it's an incredible scene to watch every time. Every time. Let's watch. This, this, no knock on Emilio for this. My experience with Emilio and directing was I worked on Bobby the movie about Bobby Kennedy that Emilio Estevez directed back in 2006, which have a lot in common with The War at Home. Let me ask you a question. Does that movie hold the record for the most cameos in history? Because I was looking at that cast list and, oh my, it was like anyone who was remotely relevant on that year was in that movie. Not just was on gonna, that year. The, the general feel I got from Bobby was this is all of his friends, all lending credibility to this, going, look, figure, you really care about this. How can we help? Sure, I'll show up and film for a day or two. No problem. And the problem was uh, I, I got the feeling that everyone he called gave that answer, that no one said, sure, I'll star. So... It was just it, it's just an entire movie of cameos trying to Rochamon the story of Bobby Kennedy's assassination. 
I've got the cast list right here because I'm guessing a lot of people did not see the 2006 classic that was Bobby, written and directed, and also co-starring Emilio Estevez. Uh, Harry, oh, yeah. Harry Belafonte, Nick Cannon, Lawrence Fishburne, Heather Graham, Anthony Hopkins, Helen Hunt, Joshua Jackson, David Krumholtz, Ashton Kutcher, Shia LaBeouf, Lindsay Lohan, William H. Macy, Demi Moore, Freddie Rodriguez, Martin Sheen, Christian Slater, Sharon Stone, Elijah Wood, and yeah, a bunch of other people that you haven't heard of. Like there's there's uh close to You forgot about David Crumholtz. I said David Crumholtz. <laughs> did you? Did you say Mary Elizabeth Winstead? I did not say Mary Elizabeth Winstead because I am not mm-hmm. seeing that on the IMDb page, although obviously oh, yeah. I believe you. Uh, I remember. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Scoot McNary's in it too. Here's the thing that you have to realize, and mind you, I'm going completely off of memory of like I think the one time I caught like two-thirds of Bobby when it was on Stars. Sure. Uh, you experienced a different movie than what ultimately made it onto the screen because i experienced seven different movies that were different that was on screen i was helping in editing on that one that was a ride because as you know the movie that you shoot and the movie that you edit are two Mm -hmm. completely different things and it's perfectly possible that like you know the the scoot mcnary and the mary elizabeth winstead plot line that may have been excised later on afterwards because studios have a tendency to get involved in a way mm-hmm. that sometimes it works out well and sometimes it does not work out well. Like in this particular case where... Where it almost bankrupted a studio? Yeah. 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 Like $48 million. It was... Didn't go great, but again, that wasn't to me a commentary on the elements of the movie that I thought were very quality. I just thought that the pieces didn't didn't fit. It was it was like a buffet where it's like, oh look, there's pizza and also sautéed broccoli and also calamari and also jelly beans, and it's like each of these things individually are pretty quality, but all together, especially when I'm I'm required to eat all of them, I just don't understand what's going on in my mouth. And with that, that is Bobby. <laughs> that is Bobby Emilio thank you for making the cameo in D3 despite not wanting to so that you could do the war at home so that you could then do Bobby that's that's their that's their new tagline right like Bobby Bobby I don't know what's in it my mouth it me for a couple of weeks <laughs> I have no I have no tra- I have no way to transition back to what we were talking about anywho but that back to was, D3 yeah, and the fact that people did not want to be there Joshua Jackson was actually so opposed to being in this movie that the teenage angst that he shows was literally pulled from the fact that he wanted to go off and do more adult roles, which completely explains why he ended up on Fringe not too long after Dawson's Creek ended. I mean, Charlie Charlie is angsty, angsty in this movie. Like... I'm not talking about great acting angst here. I'm talking about, come on, man, and you storm off. I'm going to storm off. He storms off like five times in the movie. He pouts, looks at the camera, nods his head, and storms off at least five times in the movie. So much so that Keenan has to make fun of him for it as soon as he comes back. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and I love that scene. And, and that, maybe that's the important thing. This movie is a hodgepodge of nonsense and people who didn't want to be there, I still kind of enjoy it. I mean, it, it makes no sense on any level, but it does still call on the old Mighty Ducks through lines, despite having, again, a, a room of writers, of fathers and sons, sacrifices that fathers make for their sons and the growth that sons uh, feet to help their fathers become better people. The class war between the wealthy and the poor. 
hope of being an underdog. But they're supposed to be the underdog. Like I don't know. the varsity, the varsity team is filled mm-hmm. with seventeen and eighteen year olds, right? Playing against a team of fourteen year olds. The yes, issue that I have with that argument yes. is, okay, yes, they're supposed to be fourteen and fifteen. Though Charlie says that he's almost sixteen, right? Or is or is sixteen and almost six feet? What is the line? Yeah, he says he's almost six feet tall. And that he's allergic to nuts, which Joshua Jackson actually is allergic to. Cool. Good to know that he was writing better scripts than was provided. But yeah, okay. So yeah, they're they're supposed to be young, but they did just win the Junior Goodwill Games, which is under 18. So sure, some of those guys on varsity, it being winter, their senior year, some of them may have hit 18. But I mean, there weren't that many... 18-year-olds in my graduating class. There were definitely some. There were some. They were pushing 19. But I'm sorry. Like, if you were just competing against the best under-18-year-old people in the world, the fact that half a dozen, maybe 18-year-olds are on this hockey team, it's not like you hit 18 and suddenly become Thor. Like... Uh, just no. I mean, the fittest I've ever been was probably 16. Admittedly, yeah. I stopped trying after that largely. <laughs> well, but you've got um, to see, though, that Eden Hall has won state championships for years. Like, they're the, so these kids are, aren't going to Eden Hall like just to get an education. They're also fair. guys who have money and also are very good at hockey. No Again, question. we talk about... I get it. Place. I, I agree with you. I get all these points. And like we pointed out last time, players in the United States in the NHL come from Minnesota. But these guys who are on the varsity team, how it's their school and these kids who are there basically on charity, implies that none of them were recruited for hockey, which means they happen to just be rich kids who are also good at hockey. Happens, but... um. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Well, that was actually one of the things I loved in the trailer oh. for Game Changers. To jump back into that really quickly, mm-hmm. is they actually make fun of the fact, like Lauren Graham has a line yep. where she says, "You brought two private coaches to your kids' hockey practice." I'm I'm actually a uh, psychological uh, nutritionist for youngsters or something incredibly stupid like that right that is the thing that we do have to recognize when it comes to class war is that rich people have access to talented teachers that poor people do not have access to uh mark zuckerberg true was tutored by like a phillips executor academy coding genius before he even got to Harvard. No question. I mean, I, I get it. And the fact that the coach for the JV team at this school is a former NHL player. I thought that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... They clearly take this very seriously. And I get all these points. The fact that they don't seem to have a, a trainer, you know, other developmental programs is interesting. Uh, or an assistant coach. Good, good point, David. Again, there is no assistant coach. Right. Again, in a movie. Again, just and 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 let's talk about Coach o, Coach O'Ryan. Growing up, I I, I want to ask mm-hmm. this question of 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 bo, bo, both of you. Growing up, watching this movie, how did you feel about Coach O'Ryan? Mm-hmm. Thought he was a jerk. First half of the movie, thought he was a complete jerk, and by the second half of the movie, by the time he gave him his jerseys back, I was completely on board with him. Yeah, great. Watching it again as an adult, mm-hmm. how did you feel about Coach O'Ryan? I thought he was a professional. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, He's a really good coach. I see what he's doing. He makes them take things seriously. He's forcing them to actually focus on defense. He's for- forcing them to just play as a team instead of using gimmicks. No, he's he's a professional. 
I totally get why a team that has largely been coached by Coach Bombay <laughs> um, and is written entirely on on talent and bizarre world luck. But he had a duck uh, whistle. Really but he had a duck whistle. I mean, which I again imagine was much easier to find in Minnesota. Yeah. But again, that also just showed me that Orion is is in fact a very good coach. Oh, to the point where I've now broken these guys down enough, this team down enough. This guy's is inappropriate considering that Julia the Cat is on the team. And he does finally give her the starting goalie slot, which she has deserved from the beginning. Now, by the way, why she decided to go to this private school in Minnesota when it's established in D2 that she was at a private school and an elite team, but maybe... She didn't want to be in Maine. Like I, I, I don't blame her. I don't necessarily want to be in Maine. I got no problem with Maine. I like Maine. Maine no, is beautiful. But I like Minnesota a lot, too. Both of their winters make your eyes hurt. Look at it from this perspective, though. You have the choice where you can go and live at a boarding school with all of mm -hmm. your friends, or yeah. you can stay at home in the identical climate without the people who have become essentially your extended family. I'll believe that. Yeah, that is. I'll believe that. All right, all right, I'll yeah. take that. I'll I take like that, that, Andrew. Yep, that is. Especially once she actually gets the starting spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, to go from, hi, I am arguably the best under 18 goalie in the nation, and I happen to be a woman, which should make me an icon, to I'm being shunted to the second place spot for the Goodwill Games behind this dude who couldn't skate a year ago. And um, still can't skate. Yeah. And still and can't. still really he, can't no, no, no. He makes it clear. I was going to save this. I was going to save this for the, the, the penalty box, but I can't hold it in anymore. This happens in the first two mi minutes of the movie. Goldberg says, I'm a goalie, not a skater. And then continues to skate down two flights of stairs, uh, gets chased by a pit bull, mm -hmm. uh, gets caught in a laundry line where he has a bed sheet covering him, can't see, while, while, while skating backwards in a perfectly straight line. Oh, oh, but don't worry. There's a garden hose completely wrapped around his leg that breaks. Oh, 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 oh. And they jump off a 15-foot bridge. He doesn't fall down once. Back to my argument from the previous two movies. <laughs> they may not be good at hockey, but they are all superhuman quality athletes. Mm -hmm. Right under the surface. The fact that they are all just so inept, I think, when D1 starts. And then they proceed to the level that that they reach all world-class athletes who somehow yeah. don't know it. They were given a chance, David. David, they were given a chance. Coach Bombay brought them together and showed that anyone that is given a chance to shine can be elite. And that's what it taught me. With the power of eggs and trash. Again, trash is brought up again in this movie. All of these movies contain trash. All of them. I feel like this entire episode has just been one big penalty box segment because there are so many things wrong with this movie. And it is with that in mind, uh, if it's all right with you, can we jump into the biggest crime that this movie commits just to show that nobody wanted to be there and nobody cared and everyone was just cashing a paycheck. And I'm talking, of course, about the return of Scott White in a totally different character, but who somehow, I guess, has the nickname of Gunner, as at the end of the movie, when the ducks are triumphant, and he skates over to Julia the Cat to congratulate her, kisses her on the cheek. Technically, his name is Scott, but she doesn't say, thank Scott. She says... Thanks, Scooter, right? Uh... She says, thanks, Gunner. 
I, I think, I think he says thanks, Gooder. It's thanks, Gunner. Because if you look at IMDb, the character's name is Scott, like that. Which would then say his nickname could be Scooter. Put it down. Put it down in the comments. If it's it's like blue dress, gold dress, right? Is the is the dress blue or is the dress gold? Is it? Does she say Gunner or does she say Scooter? Spoiler alert: She says Gunner. Uh, spoiler alert, I disagree, because I think she says Scooter, and, uh... David, do you want to weigh in on this? At the end of the movie, when Julie and Scott have their interaction, does she say, thanks, Gunner, or thanks, Scooter? She absolutely says, thanks, Gunner. It's one of the weirdest things in the entire series, because that seems like the kind of thing that you do because it's funny, like, as an outtake and everyone goes, ha, 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 yeah, we double cast the exact same actor for some reason as both Gunnar Stahl in D2 and as someone on this team in D3, on the varsity team in D3, for no logical reason, none. I mean, as we've discussed previously, it's not like Minnesota is lacking in Nordic-looking men with great hair. It just—it's like a third of the state is men who could have played this role. Well, if both of, they just, if both of you are correct in that, I stand corrected. Thanks, Scooter. I stand Wrong. corrected. It absolutely feels in that moment. He says, "Thanks, Gunner." Clearly, like the actress messing with him, assuming that this moment will be cut from the film, but they just decided, just leave it. Thanks, Gunner. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Scooter. What makes it so incredibly frustrating is that, like, even if they showed it to Disney and they're like, oh, oh look, we're really sorry. We don't know how this happened. Um, mm-hmm. We have, you know, the budget to go do pickups. Can, can we, you know, just make this happen? Mm-hmm. We can shoot the whole thing in close up. So, you know, we, we, it doesn't have to be a whole thing with extras or anything like that. Like, and Disney, Disney didn't even let them fix it with ADR. Like, like you could fix that in the edit with just voiceover. You just don't show Julie's face. Like, literally, yep. to, if this was happening today, you, you could send it over to an, uh, a special effects company and they could move her mouth around and make Gunner look like Scott. No problem. <laughs> like, Sorry, Mark, your argument of Scooter? Guy's name was Scott. Yeah. We- he referred to as Scooter ever. So either she's a nickname in this moment that has never before been established. Gunner. Options here. And both of them were terrible. And they just cared so little about this movie. This was such a paycheck getting cashed that they just went, it's fine. No one will care. I am currently looking down at my computer waiting for this moment to happen. Where is it? I have closed captioning on. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. No, no, no. I, 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 I want to see your face the moment that with the closed captioning, it says. I want, I, I want to be wrong, which never happens to me. <laughs> but I want to be wrong just for the. Hey, Andrew. Yes. I haven't been able to find what the budget was for D3. Any idea? Because you said it up. made $22 million. Yeah, yeah 22.9 at the box office. <laughs> I hate to r- rub it in your face, and I won't. But <clears throat> can I show this on camera? I think so. You can try. Thanks, Scooter. That's so weird. His I, name is Scott. No one ever calls him Scooter before that moment. Given him a new nickname. That's incredibly weird. I love you guys. But I'm ready. I'll wait. No, what? It's fine. No, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you you were right. Either you were right or the guy who was <laughs> doing the closed caption was drunk. It's, it's one of the two. 
the fact that you're right doesn't mean it makes sense. No. I mean, people call people Scott, Scooter. It's got the same letters. Sometimes. I mean, it has some of the same letters. It's missing I mean, a T. It, it's missing a T. I mean, I mean. All right. People. Uh, people. I mean, there's, there's only one O instead of two. It's missing an ER. Like, I don't know. There's, there are a lot of differences between Scott and Scooter. I get people that it there. can be the same. We've just never had this established before. No one ever calls him Scooter until this moment. It's incredibly right. weird. And it does sound like <laughs> Gunner. And it sounds like Gunner. Thanks, Scooter. No. Thanks, Gunner. But, but, but like, just, sorry, like, just, just to, just, just to have that even be a debate about what she is saying, Scooter or Gunner, so shouldn't weird. even, yeah, shouldn't even, this whole, this whole five minute conversation, like shouldn't even be a thing, but I'm glad it also, is. Also, why it is. is this actor in this movie? He was in D2, he had a clear role in D2. A very why clear role. He here? He's a, like he's a major character in D2 and we're just gonna pretend we're just totally gonna pretend that oh yeah no well, you know he just happens to look exactly the same and and in this movie he's like a good dude he I mean, stands up he stands up for everyone he he's like, a good dude in the way that Cole. Banks is a good dude in the sense that like yeah he's one of the bad guys but he's the kind of passive one who occasionally is like guys too far. Yes. I would not call him a good dude. I would just say he's inherently not a bad dude. You're right. I, I, again, You're right. into that category You're that right. I call right. people Gandhi would hate. Because he just allows bad things to happen. Which is, again, like... Can I say something about... Actually... Depends I, on what I, you say. I, I, I can tie this to Gandhi. Because it's talking about when the the varsity team takes out the... JV team for dinner. Mm -hmm. So, um, speaking about good dudes and bad dudes and good people and bad people, although, although I don't think it is good what they did to people that mm -hmm. can't afford, a, I think it was an $850 check at a steakhouse, yep. which also seems a little low for downtown Minnesota with what 20 plus people 20 plus eating as much, athletes eating as much as they can yeah. um, mm -hmm. I do have to say it's a really good it's a really good prank and really well executed it really is the best prank in the movie I mean yes except for the fact that I've also never known a restaurant that let you work off a check you couldn't pay. Like, I know that's a trope. Yeah. I've literally never seen a comedy trope. We'll, we'll let that one go. It's fine. Also, I mean, okay. Also, 1996. Mm -hmm. I really think we're digging too deep into this. No, but I'm going I, with you. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going with this. Okay. Minimum wage in 1996 was $4.75. That means... That after taxes, because to pay back the restaurant, you, uh, however they stagger it, maybe they just go, okay, you're going to work these hours and we're just going to uncompensate it and we're going to use it to wipe your bill. That's a tax mess. The most reasonable thing they could do is literally hire them to wash those dishes, and dishes, pay taxes on those hours, and then have them use the money from that to pay them back. So we're looking at 220, 230 hours worth of work. To pay off that bill, or or just call their parents, or call why their parents. Did, together, why did the restaurant not not call their parents, who obviously eat at the establishment? Potentially, I mean, because I mean, I would assume that a a a a healthy family would. Oh, eat you're talking at about this. call the parents of. Yes, yes, the, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, maybe. Okay, I could see that. I absolutely could. Um, there are a lot of ways this could have played. The most common one is call the police, and it goes from there. Because 240 hours of labor of minors is a complicated game to negotiate there. Yeah. 
I mean, the, even if, if you put all 10 of them to work, that's still a full week of a full part-time job to pay off this meal. Like, that's, that's no joke. So I do love, though, that they went so deep into planning, planning out this prank that even the, the stupidest brain-dead person on their team, mm-hmm. Cole, didn't mess up the, the plan. Like, Cole, Cole comes in and said, oh, I hate you guys, but tradition is tradition and doesn't mess that part up at all, mm-hmm. blows my mind. I mean, he, he can't be that dumb. I mean, he did survive for a few years later on in the zombie apocalypse. So in yeah. The Walking Dead, absolutely. He also was Bob. How, do you, how did you pronounce it? Distapello in, in Gross Point Blank? Which, again, like sticking with the, the, the Rust Belt theme, you know, going from, from Minnesota to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of, yeah. of, of, of missed guys, how is Dave Carp doing? What is, where was, why was Dave Carp not in this movie? Because he wasn't on the team and therefore didn't get a scholarship. Showing Aaron, once again that Charlie's arbitrary cuts of people changed their lives for the worse. Or at least yeah. denied them the possibility of progress. Exactly. If, if Aaron Lazar can come back. No, Aaron, Aaron Lore, sorry. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Lazar is You're a, confusing your Broadway, Broadway leading men who are tall and have dark hair. This niche, this niche just keeps on getting much more. Uh, one of them looks like but, Joel Osteen and one doesn't. But. Oh, snap. He was in Band of Brothers, too. Yeah. He's a working huh. actor, which is more is. than I can say for a good two-thirds of this cast. Since we're just this deep in the penalty box, like I, I, I have aired most of my grievances. In fact, I think I've aired all of my grievances other than the fact that the guy who plays Rick, he looks like someone I've seen before, but I have no idea from where. Uh, he just has that 90s. Every 1990s slash 2000s high school douchebag captain of the f- sports team. Yes. Like straight out of Dawson's is- Creek, Beverly Hills 90210 mm-hmm. casting couch. I have a grievance. Yeah. I have a grievance to air. Yes. <laughs> I do have a grievance to air. Um, so like right at the beginning, Beginning of the movie, Emilio, I think, is talking about his team and being like, they're getting scholarships. This is great. They pan to the crowd, and it's Mrs. Conway, it's it's Hans, and in a group of people outdoors where his pride and joys, the Mighty Ducks, are receiving a high honor... He's there just smoking on a pipe. And I think, why are you why do you have, why does Hans he's just going out a pipe right there? When you're old and so powerful in your state that you can murder someone and not go to jail. Quote you can smoke. It flashed by and it was like why was that choice made? Because smoking kills, Mark. And by the end of this movie, Hans will be dead. So if we could take oh, away anything, is that from how he D3, died? Oh, I mean, that makes sense because it they definitely never has tell nothing us. to do with him being old, or perhaps haunted by ghosts of those he murdered. <laughs> but not one bit. But but Charlie's mom does say it was just his time to go. Right. He he seemed healthy. When mm-hmm. he pretended to cut himself on a blade sharpener, yep. Wh- which was, which then Charlie replies to, "Thanks for trying to, t- to cheer me up." Mm-hmm. Why would putting someone in fear cheer them up? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like roller coasters. 
I like horror movies. Not the same. Not the same thing as cutting your hand off. I think we can just agree that Hans is a weird dude, and there is a strong possibility that his spree killing finally caught up with him, and he had Mm -hmm. to fake his own death and just get out of town. I mean, we we never see a body. Which would explain why Jan didn't show up for the funeral. You're right. You're right. He also died and we just chose never to celebrate him. Or this is all faked. Where is Jan? Jan? Oh, he's back in the old country visiting Mama. I mean, we could just go with the Charlie's been dead the whole time. Like... Are you arguing lost? Is this movie just a series of, of trials of, in purgatory? What do you, I'm sorry. I like Minnesota. Just because it's that cold does not mean that it's purgatory. If, if we are going That's there, okay. if, if we are going there, if, if this is where this conversation mm-hmm. is headed, I'm happy with it. But who's then Ben Linus in this whole tale? I forgot who that is. I've blocked a lot of Lost out of my memory. Oh, as you should. I love the first seasons. Some, I deeply love the first seasons. Great. Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've lost you. Th- my, I've lost you my exams at the end of my sophomore year were pretty tanked after someone introduced uh-huh. me to the first season on DVD, and I watched all of it straight through. But, uh, but the later seasons really seemed to be kind of... Well, they happened. Yeah. Can I just bring up this? How excited were you guys when Dean Portman smashed into that locker room during the third period. I loved it, but also it confused me why such a professional coach, someone who is so about defense and organized team structure and understanding how all the different pieces fit together, why he would suddenly be like, oh, a large angry dude who literally doesn't have pads fitted for him. Let's send him on the ice to take out some of the varsity. Yes. That was yes. That was a bold and unexpected choice for him to literally be like, oh, "I'm going to put my job at risk," accidentally kill one of the children of the famous alumni. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he literally just throws someone through a plate glass double pane window head first. I mean, what's the worst that happens? He breaks his neck and has shards of glass in his face and is crippled for life and scarred. Come on, come on. It's a. I think he was needed because without Dean Portman, they don't win that game. I agree. Again, did they bring in the refs from D2 for D3? Because once again, there seems to be no comprehension of the rules of hockey. And as we admitted, I don't really know hockey, but I know more than these refs do. Because certain things that happen in most criminal courts, assault. Yeah, I... I don't know. They do make it clear that they're clean hits. At least the lines are in the script. It said that was a clean hit. They were aware that that the other two movies prior weren't by the rules. I, I, I noticed this, that they did play much more by hockey rules in this film. I mean, just because you say that was a clean hit doesn't mean that's actually true. If I shoot someone in the knee, someone could say, good shot. That doesn't make it okay. Like, I feel like that's a different (laughs) phrase. I mean, if I shoot someone in the knee, they're potentially in major, major peril. If I throw someone through a double pane sheet of glass head first onto stone steps with their body carrying behind them, Honestly, there is more danger for them to die in that situation than there is if I shoot them in the knee. I get that one is declared by the script a clean hit. But that isn't a real thing. It's not. I'm sorry. You can't almost kill someone on the ice and have people like, it's fine. Even Happy Gilmore jokes that you're not allowed to take off your skate and stab somebody. That's a clean hit. Well, I, I, I think that, that that's the perfect note to end on, because sadly, we are coming to the end of our time together. So uh, uh, if we can jump into final thoughts, David, I'll start with you. Uh, did this movie jump at the shark or did it fly over it with an F-15? I think this movie forgot about sharks. 
Uh, it just kind of, it exists. This is a movie that exists for the purpose of existing. Uh, I, I'll be intrigued to see how much of it just gets overwritten or ignored by the new TV series. Because I am excited for the series. I think it's going to be fun. Just like how I love the first Mighty Ducks movie, as you put it, Andrew, they are kind of bringing it all back to the beginning. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the series. And to make the series work, I kind of feel like you need to make a lot of D3 not happen. I mean, if, if Bombay went from mediocre lawyer who's very full of himself to regional hockey coach who manages to take a, a scrap team to states and then gets the incredible opportunity to coach the Junior Goodwill Games, like, cool. That's the kind of story that could end with somebody you know, 25, 28 years later being back in that same town running uh, an ice rink and really wondering where his life went. But if he takes the next step and becomes an ambassador for the Junior Goodwill Games, someone who's a real international professional touring the world to bring prestige to a major athletic event backed by Ted Turner, then it's not very likely that your life crashes that hard in that exact direction. There's, there's a real gap in that. So I'm looking forward to the... Um, I, I do have a thought that I, I need to process because I had never considered this before. I made a comment about Happy Gilmore before, another movie that's almost a hockey movie, which came out in... I believe it was 97. 96. Yeah, the same year is D3. So I have to ask, partially inspired by Fulton Reed. Happy Gilmore's entire thing is not good at skating, not good at hockey, extremely aggressive on the ice, but can shoot a puck with incredible shotgun-like force. The plot of Fulton, except Fulton's a nice guy who isn't also a man-child, mostly because he's an actual child. We have established that the connections between the Mighty Duck series and Happy Madison are... Mm -hmm. Very close. Stephen Brill, right. uh, I mean, he shows up in The Wedding Singer for no other reason than he is friends with Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's concert tour was directed by Stephen Brill. Interesting. So Interesting. So, I mean, you're not wrong by saying that. It could be the story of Fulton Reed. I'm just saying, Eldon Henson... You are owed money by Happy Madison. Because also, Fulton Reed couldn't skate. Happy Gilmore cannot skate. Fulton Reed is a giant dude who beats people up. Hmm. Happy Gilmore, also a dude who beats people up. Again, Fulton Reed, huge slap shot. They can't be stopped. Happy Gilmore. I've also never seen them in the same room, so... Uh, oh, that okay. last part took new directions. Anyway, Andrew, next question. Yes, I'm putting my serious glasses back on. Yes, I have glasses. <laughs> Mine aren't even real, but they look real good. What's your Here question, you Dave? Andrew? Oh no, you you had other questions. Oh, you asked yes. me to answer. No, no, it 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 wasn't so much of a question as an observation. If you go back and watch the trailer. They make it clear in one shot that for yep. a period of time, Gordon Bombay was coaching college hockey at a fictional Minneapolis University. I think they called it St. Paul State. There was a quick sure. news article that came okay. by. So clearly something happened there where he pulled a reverse Pete Carroll. We'll find out. I'm excited, actually. I'm excited. These 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 yeah. going go, going back and watching these movies, going back and talking about these movies got me excited because overall the franchise is incredible. Mm -hmm. it, it is an incredible franchise. It, Again, it's, it's, like D three is by far the least of the three movies, and I still yeah. enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it is a nonsense piece of piece of art, and it is assembled like out of spare parts of a car. Like it's just janked together to make it work. 
and it barely works. But I still enjoy it because they're fun. They're just, they're fun. They're fun and anytime you get Keenan in a Disney movie to say the phrase, something about a shrinking sphincter, it's an A plus in my book. How that line got through on Disney's watch is beyond me, but here we are. So, Mark, with that in mind, uh, as we go into our final thoughts, uh, please tell us what you think and tell us if the coach of the Ducks in the new series is probably Gunnar Stahl's son or definitely Gunnar Stahl's son. I'm going to say he's Gunnar Stahl's son because there's no way to find someone who looks exactly like Gunnar Stahl or... Or, or it could be Scooter's Scooter's son. Could son, it be Scooter's son? Which, may, which makes, or Scooter, 20 years later, and I mean, looks very young because of his Norwegian background. Just saying. Haven't seen him don't in this. preserve you. Um, one more quick thing. Quick, quick thing, literally. Didn't we learn that Luis learned how to stop? In yep. D two, no, he didn't. And, and then in D three, he can't stop anymore. Just, just put that out there. Better, he stopped once in D two, mm-hmm. once, right. and he was very excited about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with David and both of you guys. I assume because it's it's just no. We all know that D three is not the best of the three. It is the worst of the three. But it's still fun. If it's on TV, I'm not going to turn it off. I might fall asleep to it. I might turn like I like a before bed movie. It sounds great, but like I'm not going to turn it off. It's fun, and um, it's a good time. And it's exciting that this game changer show is coming back to just see wh- what they can do with the franchise because it's already established that it's a fun franchise and now they know in hindsight what works what doesn't work and it seems like during the trailer it's got some lines i'm also excited to see how they wrap up the stories or kind of reveal what's happened to all of these different former the series 25 years later Especially now, and I hadn't felt this way until just this moment, Adam Banks, because if you Google search budget D3 Mighty Ducks, because I was trying to figure out how much the movie costs to make, (laughs) the first question that people also ask on Google is, does Adam Banks die in Mighty Ducks 3? Which is not a question that I had actually wondered until this moment. The answer is yes, but now I'm wondering why that is literally the number one question. The internet is a vastly mysterious place. But I look forward to finding out what happened. So with that in mind, uh, unfortunately, our time together has come to an end. We, we really have to apologize to Keenan Thompson. Keenan, we, we are so sorry oh, we didn't get to your interview. Again? Keenan, I'm so sorry. But next week, Keenan, we're, 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 we're going to get you on 100%. Um, it, it feels appropriate that you'd be on the first one of the season talking about the actual TV show. Yes, yeah, they, exactly, exactly. And, you know, we know you're not going to be on the show because you're busy starring in your own sitcom. Good for you. Uh, but with that in mind, I have been Andrew. I remain David. And I'm Mark. And this has been Knuckle Puck Time. It's Knuckle Puck Time! I don't know how your voice does that.